It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest And a very good morning to you, JP, and for Patricia across this uh, Easter week. She's on our Easter break, so Bernie takes your calls on 0818-103-103. If there's something you want to raise on this morning's show, comment-wise, or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Ahead on this morning's programme, we're going to hear why Cork County Council has written to Antishuk Michal Martin, asking him to provide extra personnel for emergency services across the Cork region, something we're all very aware of when we hear of the waiting time for ambulances in the county and now we have late of last week heard of the fire service and at one stage they were uh, well they were going to go outside City Hall uh, and hold a picket but that was called off uh, on the Wednesday before they were going to do so on Friday uh, but at the same time there was concerns over resourcing within the fire service due to that so we're going to discuss that this morning on the programme. Also we're going to hear an update from the family of a young Drumaham boy who had a freak accident while in Paris and is now in Temple Street Hospital in Dublin. It's his birthday soon, so the family are hoping to cheer him up with a card appeal and we'll hear more about that on the show this morning. Also, a lot of talk about the property market at the moment and I mean, I think everybody can identify with this. People who are trying to buy their dream home are frustrated as they are constantly outbid and we all have that story of a friend of ours or even ourselves who is bidding on a home and you get a call two days later from the estate agent who says it's gone up again by 5,000 euro. You get a call the next day it's going to begin by €10,000 and it keeps going up and up and up and it's just very frustrating when you think you may have that home but still you're outbid and as people continue to search for their homes uh, to buy that is, others then are thinking of selling their homes but are unsure what to do and then you have another situation that people see these prices increasing so much, they're holding off from purchasing a home. Uh, so we're going to get advice on this from Magella Galvin uh, who is a chartered estate agent and valuer from Bandon. Uh, she be joining us later on the programme. So if you are in that situation whereby you're just totally frustrated at what is happening within the property market, either by selling or by 
trying anyhow at least to purchase a property uh, get your questions in to us and we'll have advice on that and what you can do uh, between now and one o'clock also Terry Alderton who is a well-known comedian he will join us on the show uh, Terry you would be familiar with him from the comedy show Live at the Apollo he also is a familiar face he starred in EastEnders over the years he was Bianca's love interest in EastEnders for a number of years uh, of course that was well after the days of Ricky uh, but Holby City of course which did in in the last uh, few months uh, he also starred in that plus a number of other hit TV shows like The Bill and more he's in Cork this weekend at City Limits so he'll join us plus our regular show councillor Joe Heffernan after 12.30 will be discussing long Covid and this is more so what we've been hearing from people uh, in the last few weeks who had the latest strain of uh, Covid-19 but basically no energy and while they might have been either very sick with it or had mild symptoms the majority of people are feeling about three to four weeks after they had this uh, they are still left with a lack of energy and just kind of no interest in in what they are doing now everybody is different but we're going to discuss that with Joe and advice on what indeed you can do if you feel like that at the moment and also we'd love to hear this morning your thoughts on accents uh, because it's going back to Killian Murphy who was in the news just before Easter and he moved back to Ireland a number of years ago. The reason he moved back was for, well, there was many reasons, but one of them was because his children were developing an English accent. Now, they were living in England, so that was going to happen, but he wanted them to have an Irish accent. Uh, So they moved back, and he's living now in Dublin. Uh, But on accents, I mean, does it make a difference? Would you be unhappy if your child had a different accent to you? If you are listening elsewhere in the world, and you are living, for example, in Australia, in America, Canada, or even tuned to us in the UK, and your children have a different accent than you have, would you consider doing what Killian did and moving back to Ireland so they would have a similar accent? And then we have so many young people here who watched the various TV shows, either now on, on Irish TV or by streaming. And a lot of the cartoons that the younger ones watch, they are produced in the UK and in the States. And while there is many of them here produced in Ireland, a lot of young people have this kind of American or UK twang now because they're watching so many of those cartoons which are produced in the UK. And when I mean young, I mean the, the ages of three, four or five and they're picking up that accent from watching those TV shows at a young age. And many people whom we discussed this before have said they have noticed this. Uh, Even teachers within a classroom have noticed this and it comes because the young children are watching uh, these streaming services or indeed these shows on television which are uh, brought in and produced elsewhere. So your views are welcome on accents. Would you go that far if you were, if you thought your your child was developing a different accent uh, to move back to Ireland or indeed move back to another part of Ireland? Maybe you're living in Cork but from Mayo or Offaly or Galway uh, would you go so far and not so your, your son or daughter would not have a, a Cork accent or likewise maybe you're here in Cork and, and you want them to have a, a, a Cork accent from a different area of Cork hey, well yeah, let us know your views are welcome you can text our WhatsApp 086 or call Bernie now 0818 we have a report on accents later in the programme but a lot of talk this morning when I mentioned there about parents well 
if you're a worker and a parent, which is extremely tough these days, now parents will be allowed up to five days off work to care for sick children. This is under new legislation being brought to the Cabinet and the radical new work-life balance laws. They're going to introduce the unpaid leave for any employee who needs to care for a family member. This could be a sick child or also could be a relative who is sick. And while many employers are very flexible, if you ring up on a day and your child is sick and they understand that, how long can that go on for? Maybe a day is okay, but can you stay out for a week or two weeks or more if a child is very unwell? As I say, the majority of employers, they do understand, but not everybody and not every employer is in that situation where they can afford to let somebody out sick for so long, paid or unpaid. Uh, Well, separately to all of that, any parent of a child under 12 or a person caring for a relative, they will have the right now to request reduced or flexible working hours under this proposed new legislation that's coming uh, from the Children's Minister, Roderick O'Gorman, and he's bringing a memo to Cabinet this week outlining the new uh, workers' rights and giving employees more options employees then, if this does come through, uh, they won't have to give their employers notice when seeking the unpaid leave to care for a family member. So if it happens straight away, you can just tell your employer, I won't be here for the next five days or or whatever long, and you can then take that unpaid leave. But again, for the employer, depending on the size of the company, that could have a a huge knock-on effect, and also for the colleagues within that company. Uh, But they may need to produce medical evidence to take these days off. And if they are, for example, if it is five days, well, then they must be taken in chunks at least one day at a time. So we'll see uh, how those new work-life balance laws work out. Uh, are you in favour of those? I think the majority of people will be in favour. It also brings in more rights for carers, which we often talk to Catherine Cox from the Carers Association, who is always fighting, as there are so many others here in the Cork area, fighting for those at home who remain at home caring for their child or indeed other relatives who live with them. And this is something positive for carers. It's going in the right direction anyhow. Your views are welcome on that. If you would welcome uh, those new laws which are due to, what are being spoken about and due to come to Cabinet very shortly. And then from the work-life balance to the teacher profession and the teacher conferences which are underway this week and the largest teacher union in the country, well, they're looking for a pay increase linked to rising inflation costs. And I suppose everybody is going, aren't we all? Well, the Irish National Teachers Organisation, their annual conference is underway in Killarney this week and the president of the INTO, Joe McKeown, he says the planned 1% pay rise under the existing pay sector deal is nowhere near enough to deal with the cost of living and when the INTO are calling for that, other teaching organisations are similar, but the ASTI is also out um, on a slightly different level and I think a lot of people then would agree with the ASTI on this. They are against how the Leaving Cert students are going to be assessed and they're reacting to the Education Minister, Norma Foley, her plans for reform, which would see teachers assessing their own pupils. Uh, now, while many people feel this is the way to go, I could understand teachers in smaller rural areas or smaller towns whereby if you're living in and around that area, afterwards you can you know, get a call from the parents, which many say they, that they experienced this in the past from different exams on why did my Johnny or Mary only get this and have you prevented them from progressing in the education system? So you can see why indeed uh, they have concerns over this and then 
from the STI to the Teachers Union of Ireland and they're also calling for a pay increase but also an imbalance in pay for teachers hired before 2011 to those hired afterwards. It's still causing recruitment and retention crisis in schools and they believe there is a crisis coming forward for teachers that we're going to see a lack of supply for teachers and to ensure this that they need to look at equal pay for all teachers. That pay is the big thing this year in the teacher conferences which are underway and your views are welcome on that on teachers pay. We are hoping to speak to one of those uh, unions tomorrow on the show and indeed more across the week but as everybody is struggling for the cost of living I see a headline today from the INTU who says teachers can't afford to buy a house but I think everybody again would be in the same situation uh, as house prices increase. Uh, So do you agree that that profession should get an increase? Uh, Your views are welcome. I think most people would have some uh, reservations but a lot of the people would agree then with the ASTI on the teachers assessing their own pupils when it comes to the leaving search. Maybe teachers are tuned it's uh, Easter break so if you are tuned we'd love to hear from you this morning on your views you can call Bernie 0818 103 103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and across the weekend I'm sure a lot of you were tucking into your Easter eggs well yeah, you're being reminded if you were to recycle the Easter egg packaging today a third of consumers are unaware both hard and soft of plastics can now go into the recycling bin. So Repack is out and they're calling on the public to learn what can be correctly recycled. So if you had all the eggs at the weekend and you're done now with the chocolate, be sure and recycle the packaging. And what about this achievement? Yes, Coronation Street actor William Roach. He has said he has no intention of retiring as he prepares to celebrate his 90th birthday. The actor, who will turn 90 on April 25th, he has starred as Ken Barlow in the ITV soap for more than 60 years. And he does still hold that record, the Guinness World Record, as the longest running TV soap star. And he is going to be in a documentary because of him having the record and also celebrating his 90th birthday. ITV have commissioned the documentary called Happy Birthday Bill and it's going to celebrate his life and his career as he reaches the milestone. That will air tonight at 8pm on ITV so if you are a fan of Corey and indeed of Ken Barlow, tune into that tonight at 8pm on ITV. I thought it was on Virgin, it doesn't, on the schedule it doesn't say it's on Virgin TV as they uh, show Coronation Street as well uh, but it definitely anyhow that documentary tonight on ITV at 8 if you're a fan. Uh, lines open, always one eight one zero three one zero three. Bernie taking your views. A lot of them coming in. We we'll get to those shortly. You can text or WhatsApp zero eight six two one zero three one zero three. It's Cork today with you until one, and our lines are open. Zero eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Text or WhatsApp zero eight six two one zero one zero three. Medics rallied to help more than thirty Ukrainian refugees who had taken ill at a community centre in Bantir over the weekend. Our news reporter Maureen Tuig joins me with the latest on this. Good morning to you, Maureen. Good morning, Jean-Paul. What's believed to have happened here? Yeah, so I suppose this first came to light uh, on Sunday, which was Easter Sunday, and uh, Cork County Council came out with a statement to say that that 46 Ukrainian refugees uh, were placed in an emergency rest centre accommodation in Bantir, and that was on Saturday night last. Now, a number of refugees there, as you said, around 30, uh, complained of feeling unwell when they arrived. So 
put the plan in, in place that medical assistance was called immediately and medical help was present on site overnight. Now, we do understand that, that a number of, uh, of people were taken to hospital. Now, uh, Dr. Jason van der Velde, he was part of that public health response to the incident. Um, he spoke to, to ORT in, in recent days and he said that medics were able to address the issue on site with all but two of the group of those who were treated uh, with, they were treated with good quality anti nausea and uh, rehydration medicines and two children required treatment in hospital but were discharged a few hours later. That's what he said. Now he didn't go into detail. He actually declined to comment on the details of the illness that was involved but it is understood that the symptoms that all of these people were, were suffering were similar to gastroenteritis or a vomiting bug. So that's what they understood to have happened. So they were treated and uh, and there was restricted access to the accommodation centre while that matter was being addressed. So you can imagine, I mean, you're fleeing your 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 country um, and and coming to a different country, and you know, you're frightened and scared. And for this to happen was really unfortunate. But thank God, you know, the that um, that they're all doing well. That's what Cork County Council. That's in their latest statement that they're doing well now. So so it's great to hear that. And Jason confirming there, they are all now discharged from hospital. That they've all been released at this stage, have they? They have. They've all been uh, released. They were taken there as a precaution, but but they've since been discharged. And I was over in County Hall myself last Thursday and I was talking to the County Mayor Councillor Gillian Coughlin. And, you know, she said that the support from community groups across Cork has just been fantastic. You know, the council response is ongoing to this. You know, you've got this accommodation centre in Bantier. You've got one in Clannacilty. And uh, the latest one to be identified now is in Dunmanway. And these are rest stops. So for one or two nights, they come in and stay here for one or two nights and um, so it's the, the pool building in Dunmanway that they're um, going to I suppose transform it into uh, one of these rest stop um, to accommodate uh, Ukrainians who are coming into the country you know she said when they come in, it's so difficult for them. They're traumatised. So uh, councils uh, across the country are doing what they can uh, to respond to that and, and to help people, you know. And you mentioned there when you were speaking to the county mayor, is it that when you say a rest stop, they're there for one or two or three nights and then they're moved to more suitable accommodation? Is that, is that what's happening so with these centres? That's my... That's my understanding because hmm. I wasn't overly familiar with how these rest stops work. But she explained it to me that they're there is very temporary accommodation, one or two nights. I mean, uh, so it was last Thursday I spoke to her the weekend before there was over 50 uh, people had arrived into the, the rest stop in Clannacilty. And it was at that time we were talking about the one in John Manway because we'd heard about the part of the pool building being closed. As far as I'm aware, the pool is still operating, but it's the gym part of that building is being closed off in order to, to turn it into an accommodation centre but my understanding from the county mayor there is that it's very temporary one or two nights just when they come in that they've somewhere to go and I guess to, to get their, their journey in Ireland started and sorted and, and welcome uh, welcoming them in and, and settling them I guess after their, their journey which as she said you know it's, it's very traumatising for them coming in I mean nobody wants to leave your home but you, you flee because it's war torn you're coming into a new space you know, you don't know what to expect. So, so yeah, so for one or two nights and she said, you know, the, it's, it's difficult, you know, I suppose all these plans and, and accommodating so many people coming in, but she said the response is ongoing and they're constantly learning themselves as time is going on. And then on what happened across the weekend, I mean, had they confirmed the HSC or anybody that it was the bug or that it was a vomiting bug because they, they, they didn't confirm initially what it was. Has any confirmation come out on, on what these Ukrainian refugees did suffer from? 
from? Well, Jason, Dr. Jason Vandervelde, as I said there, he was speaking to RTE and he declined to comment. Mm. But it's understood that the symptoms there were very similar to gastroenteritis or a vomiting bug. So that's what uh, the reports have suggested, that uh, that that's what they were suffering with. And they were treated with uh, anti-nausea and rehydration medicines. So that's my understanding that while I suppose, you know, what the actual illness was might never be fully confirmed but the understanding is that the symptoms are very similar to those illnesses Okay Maureen for the moment uh, thanks for joining us this morning that is our news reporter Maureen Tuwik with the latest on those Ukrainian refugees who were taken ill from the community centre in Bantir over the weekend taken to the hospital but glad now they are feeling well today and back in the community centre while they await for more suitable accommodation and speaking of accommodation on those coming to our country and more Unfortunately, it looks like Russia have stepped up their campaign again on the on on the various areas in Ukraine. Uh, Lviv, a city which uh, was under attack, then then I suppose attacks did uh, lessen over the last number of weeks. Again, this weekend we've seen more attacks on Lviv. Uh, people now in that area of Ukraine are moving out. I mean, I'm reading reports this morning in many of the papers whereby one family a missile landed on the roof of their building, and this family were not leaving Ukraine. They were wanting to stay there. Uh, they didn't want to leave their own country. Now they have decided because of what has happened at the weekend, they are leaving Ukraine. And then while more countries are taking in refugees, uh, something that many people here uh, have been in contact with us about is that they have offered either a second home or a holiday home to the Red Cross or the government. And it seems that a lack of rural transport and poor broadband connections is severely limiting the abilities of the Irish councils to provide the choice of suitable accommodation hubs for Ukrainian refugees. And this is where people who are contacting us have offered uh, various homes they may have, either a second or a third home or a home they rent out and they've been told no it's not suitable it's in a very rural area it's not in an area with connectivity and there's no way they can get into the local town so that's frustrating for those who are offering homes and then their offers being turned down uh, but local authorities and indeed the government uh, to provide accommodation they're looking now for accommodation in cities in towns and villages where refugees can best settle into Irish life but then uh, the problem lies that that's where we have and that's what we're discussing later in the show. There is no availability in cities, towns and villages. We've had that problem for the last two or three years. And a lot of the houses that people are offering are in rural areas because they are there. They are available whereby villages, towns and cities, you know, the the many, the majority of buildings there and indeed houses are now being used up either for rental accommodation, for office space or for something else. So uh, that's something the government will have to work on. Uh, your views are welcome on a text or WhatsApp 0862103103 or call Bernie 0818 A lot of your calls and comments in on various issues. We'll get to those next. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 and a lot of people contacting us on different issues this morning. First of all, I mentioned there on the work-life balance and what the government are working on is to be brought to Cabinet soon. And this is where parents will be allowed up to five days off work to care for sick children under new legislation due to be brought to the Cabinet. It's under the radical new work-life balance laws and this will introduce unpaid leave for any employee who needs to care for a family member. Well, on that, a texter here says the work-life balance is an absolute joke. It is very hard on 
on carers and seeing after the elderly parents, etc. But parents have maternity leave that is about 12 months and the parental and parents' leave also employs with this. There's a huge amount of annual leave also. So how are employees and companies going to manage to give this service? Uh, which is a, a good point by that texter. Also, uh, Joe, who runs a company, says, I do agree with work-life balance and I always offer this to my employees because when they come back or if they are finding times tough, they will work harder in the end. So it does turn around for the company. However, I can't see how this will work if you have staff out on maternity leave and then staff out on annual leave. Uh, and then if you have somebody out on this leave, the staff that are remaining in the company working will have to pick up the extra work. So I don't know, can smaller companies deal with this? It might be okay for the multinational companies, but smaller companies with only three or four staff are really going to struggle to provide a service if this law comes in. I welcome the law, but is it practical to introduce, says Joe, who runs a company. And then on teachers and teachers looking for pay increases to deal with the level of inflation. Also, uh, with the ASTI, you have something different as well. They are looking for increases but they're more or less concerned about the marking for the leaving start exams and I think a lot of people agree with that but on the uh, issue of wages and pay increases uh, Texa here says and this is D on text to 0862103103 it's hard to have sympathy for the teachers I know they have a hard job but I work in a preschool and earn not much more than the minimum wage even though my degree is recognised by the department I won't be getting a pay increase despite the cost of living increases says D and another texter here is saying I bet the vast majority of people will crucify the teachers on this while Elaine says I do agree in some respect with the teachers looking Looking for a pay increase, everybody is finding it tough at the moment. The only thing that I worry about, says Elaine, is that if some sectors of society get a pay increase and other sectors don't, again, we already have a two-tier society and will that just get worse as the year goes on and inflation rises? Because if we have one part of our society who can afford the increase in groceries, who can go on holidays, who can afford to spend more on maybe new cars, you'll have another a sector of society who are not getting any pay increases and unfortunately as you know yourself JP you're going along to food banks and the like of penny dinners just to survive. We cannot let this happen. That is my only concern when it comes to teachers or anybody offering a pay rise. This needs to be looked at says Elaine on WhatsApp to 0862103103 some of her views when it comes to uh, the issue of pay rises for the teachers which has been addressed at their conferences this week. Now to fuel and, well it stays with the inflation line I suppose, a lot of text this morning uh, like this one which says Good morning JP, will the fuel allowance of the 90 euro lump sum be paid this week? And this is of course is the extra money the government is going to give with the fuel allowance but they haven't confirmed the date as yet I'm afraid on this. Uh, Now if we get a confirmation we will bring it to you uh, this was announced uh, earlier this month that there were plans to pay an additional three weeks fuel allowance worth 99 euros in one lump sum, uh, but they haven't yet confirmed the exact date. And while this has been worked around how households will receive the extra allowance payment and also looking at a temporary VAT cut on fuel, uh, they haven't given the exact date of this yet. Uh, looking at this, it will be sometime in May and it looks like it's going to be in the middle of May. So that could be around the 15th, 16th or 17th. 
17th of May but they haven't given an exact date when they do we'll bring it to you but that's the latest we have on that our lines are open 0818 103 103 or call Bernie on that number you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 on the way we're going to hear an update from a family of a young Dramahan boy who was in a freak accident while in Paris recently he now remains in Temple Street Hospital in Dublin uh, but it's his birthday soon and that they want to uh, do something to cheer him up for his birthday uh, we'll hear more about what they want to do next Record today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 0818 103 a young Dramahan boy who suffered serious injuries in an accident while on holidays in Paris still remains at Temple Street Hospital in Dublin undergoing tests. Kevin O'Callaghan who was sixth class pupil he will celebrate his birthday shortly and his sister Rachel joins me on the programme for an update on how indeed young Kevin is doing. Good morning to you Rachel. Good morning, how are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. I know you joined us a few weeks ago, but just for people who may have missed uh, the interview at the time, just outline briefly about this freak accident that took place uh, that has left Kevin now in Temple Street Hospital in Dublin. Uh, when I suppose we were on, um, I suppose, a dream holiday, uh, we uh, went to visit Paris and Disneyland and Kevin was in a soft play area and just had a freak accident. And I suppose after, you know, instantly he was, you know, he was paralysed. Um, and I suppose after that, then he had to get emergency surgery. And he then spent um, a few weeks in Paris before being transferred, I suppose, to Temple Street in Dublin, where he currently remains now. And his current condition now, Rachel, there in Dublin? Well, I suppose um, since the last time we spoke to you, um, like he has gotten stronger for definite, you know. Um, he does have, you know, he does have some movement, you know, um, I suppose particularly in his hands, you know. Um, and there's, you know, I suppose his condition at the moment still remains unknown, you know. Um, I suppose we got some, um, I suppose, bad news last week because due to complications with his recovery, he actually has to have another operation um, to see. And I suppose this week, you know, a decision will be made as to, you know, what operation it's going to be. So I suppose that kind of, I suppose that obviously, made, you know, Kevin was obviously devastated when he heard that, you know, um, because, you know, yes, he has gotten a little bit of movement back in his, you know, in his hands and his, and, you know, a little bit in his, in his legs as well. However, you know, um, it is a high possibility once this operation takes place that he'll be back to the start of his recovery again. And he has already had an operation, so the thought of another one, obviously he was uh, quite upset to go through that and then you're, you're going back again, starting everything from scratch yeah. for recovery, so it's not easy. No, and I suppose I suppose the last operation that he did have, it was kind of so fast, you know, it was you know, it was an emergency, so it was so fast and it was you know, it was done. There was no I suppose no real time to think about it really. Whereas I suppose this time, you know, I suppose he knows what you know, I know he mm. knows what he's up against and different things like that, you know, that kind of way. Um and like he you know, he's he's such a positive boy, you know, and he's trying so, so hard and um I suppose the idea of, you know, he has as I said, he's you know, the outcomes you know, the end result is still very much unknown. Um, and I suppose, you know, he's I suppose, delighted that his hands gotten a little bit stronger, you know, like that. Um, but I suppose the big fear now is that once this operation takes place, you know, he'll be back to, you know, I suppose, to step one again, you know, that kind of way. So, um, yeah. And yeah. after each assessment, Rachel, when they carry out an assessment and while well, they're now going to carry out another operation, uh, had they given any timelines or had they given any idea of when Kevin maybe could be at a stage where he'll be able to leave hospital or, or go for rehab somewhere within the hospital? Um, they haven't really given 
Um, um, a timeline, to be honest, I suppose just that he will be there for the mm. first he will be in temperature for the first of the future. And of course, Kevin is very sporty and he was always into cycling and, and various sports. So uh, staying within hospital while he knows he has to go through this at a very young age, it's very hard to understand then why he remains there for such a long period of time when he is a very sporty young guy. Yeah, I suppose that's exactly it. Like he loves the sport and I suppose, you know, he first, I suppose, when he first, you know, um, arrived into Temple Street, I suppose, you know, he obviously hoped he'd be out, you know, soon enough, you know, that kind of way. But unfortunately, you know, it's not going to be the way. But, you know, he he is positive about it and he is trying so, so hard. You know, he he really is like, you know, um, and I suppose just there is, you know, a setback now with the operation, you know. um, But like he's, you know, he's he's trying really, really hard and he's, you know, putting a positive attitude on it. Um, But like, as I said, obviously, thought of going to another operation you know isn't I suppose isn't yeah. it's very hard for him and I think putting a, a positive aspect in when you're in these situations is a good thing oh, as many will say you can get you through uh, the situation but still you know you have to face the consequences as well of what's coming down the line yeah exactly yeah. and you know as I said we're all remaining positive we're all you know and I suppose we're delighted you know with Easter now you know we get to spend more time with him and everything mm-hmm. so um, and I suppose he's so we're a very close family and I suppose he does you know he misses his brothers and sisters and everything like that so you know with Easter and everything now and he is also delighted to get to spend you know to, I suppose, to see everybody a bit more. Yeah, true. And the reason you're joining us today, uh, apart from an update, is Kevin is reaching the age of 12 very shortly. And while at this stage he'll be spending his birthday within hospital, you and the community of Dramahan are going to do something very special uh, to up his spirits even more and, and make him more positive than what he already is. So what are you yeah. planning there? Uh, well, I suppose I can't take credit for the idea now, but mm-hmm. the community of Drumhan and I suppose my older sister Kira as well, um, they've um, come up with a card um, appeal idea. So basically that um, Kevin will be turning 12 um, next Sunday, so on the 1st of May. And I suppose now it's a complete surprise for him. He knows nothing about it. Um, but I suppose the idea behind it is um, that it's, I suppose it's really just to put a smile on Kevin's face so that, you know, if he can have a chance, you know, to send, you know, a card or, you know... Um, you know, um, he would have, you know, there's a few drop off, drop off points and there's an address there as well. Um, just for his birthday, I suppose, just for a smile he sees, because, you know, um, as I said, he, you know, he's been positive about the situation, you know, but I suppose he wants to try and, you know, and keep the smile on his face because, um, I suppose, Nick, um, as well, enough, there's a few, I suppose, events coming up that, unfortunately, Kevin's going to miss, I suppose, not going his birthday. Um, I suppose the second, he was supposed to be going to Ed Sheeran as well next week in Cork. You know, um, mm. and he's a massive, he's a massive Ed Sheeran fan. Like, you know, and I remember, you know, when we got the tickets, he was so excited. And unfortunately, you know, due to the circumstances, you know, won't be possible for him to do it. And I suppose the other thing that's coming up as well, um, at the start of the confirmation as well. Um, so there's just a few events coming up, I suppose, in the next few weeks that, you know, obviously Kevin would love to be part, you know yourself, he'd love to be part of, but unfortunately, yes. due to the circumstances, he can't. So I suppose the card um, idea, I suppose, is just to try and put, you know, a smile on Kevin's face, you know, um, to keep going, really. 
Well, I will cheer him up. I mean, if you know what you're exactly. lying there, what he is missing out on, and he's probably thinking of that then as well when he's lying in a hospital bed, and it is very hard not to, regardless what age you are. But this will cheer him up when he sees all the various cards coming in from people who he doesn't even know wishing him well for his birthday. And I know other families have done this in the past, and it has brought a huge smile uh, to the person who is in hospital, but also to the entire family. So if people want to, I'll give the address in a while, but is there drop-off points as well in the area of Drumahan for people living locally, first of all, that they can drop them off to? Um, yeah, um, there's drop-off points in, um, there's a drop-off point in Kelly's in um, Drumahan. Um, there is a drop-off point in um, Pycicles and Mallow. Um, I think I'm missing out on one. Um, there's another drop-off point as well. Um but sorry, I just can't remember it right now. You're okay. We, we, uh, we can give bring yeah. that later on the show. And if people want to send a birthday card, then for Kevin, I have the address here. You just mark it for Kevin O'Callaghan in Bally Simon, Drumahan, Mallow, and that will get to him. So no matter where you are listening across Cork or indeed elsewhere in the country or indeed the entire world, if you can send a birthday card for Kevin, he's 12 years old on May the 1st. And I think this will really cheer him up considering everything he's going through, facing another operation, missing out on confirmation on his birthday and also on Ed Sheeran I, I think this will really bring a smile to his face so if we get as many many people as we can uh, to send him a birthday card uh, and cheer Kevin up ahead of his birthday I think it would be fantastic Rachel won't it? Yeah it would yeah thank you and we just would also like to say just thanks a million to I suppose the community to everybody they've really really rallied around Kevin you know the last few weeks and you know it's really you know it's very much appreciated like you know um, so people have you know sent well wishes they've prayed for him you know um suppose like you know his friends you know talking to you know it's really it's really helped you know keep Kevin's spirits off you know um, so I just want to say thank you to everybody who has he really around Kevin. Ah, yeah, fantastic community there in Drumahan, and I, I oh, think the whole of yeah, the whole of Cork. I think we'll get behind him as well for his birthday. Uh, will you wish him well from our, for us, uh, Rachel? Uh, send him yeah. a big birthday I hug uh, and wish him well, and also all your family uh, who are up and down to Dublin. I mean, that's quite a task as well, and a whole lot of you up and down from uh, Drumahan to Dublin. It's not a not a short journey by any means. Um, no, but you know what? I suppose, you know, we get to see Kevin and at the end of the day, that's yours. That's the most yeah. important thing because I suppose we're a very close family and, you know, I suppose, as I said, my mum's up here the whole time. So, you know, um, I suppose it's worth it, you know, when we get to see them, you know, so... Okay, well, we wish you well, Rachel. We wish all your family well. And in particular, we wish Kevin well. I'll give the address there again. But for the moment, Rachel, thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. And we'll stay in touch with you and your family, okay? Perfect. Thanks, Millian. Take care. Uh, Rachel O'Callaghan there joining us, sister of uh, Kevin O'Callaghan, just uh, uh, turning 12 in a few weeks' time. He's a sixth-class pupil. And after that freak accident in Paris, he is now in a situation in hospital whereby he will need another operation, uh, I suppose, the doctors and the medical profession unsure what is causing this uh, paralysis that he is experiencing but anyhow uh, while they are figuring all of this out you know a sporty man he needs our uh, help and positivity so if you want to send Kevin a 12th birthday card you can send the address again is Kevin O'Callaghan Daddy Simon Drumahan Mallow uh, in Cork obviously and the postcode if you want that is P51 XP 22. And if we get as many cards to Kevin, hopefully uh, the positivity and the cheer factor will keep a smile on his face uh, for young Kevin O'Callaghan from Drumahan after that freak accident. Our lines are open 0818-103-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Cork today until one. Nick Richards along from one playing more of Cork's greatest hits. Martino from four on your drive home for a Tuesday after the bank holiday weekend. Easter Tuesday. And Bernie taking 
your comments across the show today. 0818-103-103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. A lot of calls and comments in on the various issues we've been discussing. But one that came in earlier this morning is on climate change. And this person on text says that when it comes to climate change, the government are saying one thing and doing the opposite. Even the Supreme Court said last week that there was a fundamental legal climate question after arising and that this needed to be answered. John Paul, the government can't say one thing and do the opposite. They seem to be making it up as they go along. It's not good enough. and This is too serious, says this texter. This is regards to both what came out last week uh, first of all, uh, with how where we're going as a country regarding uh, climate change, and then the various changes that uh, at one point, you know, the turf and peat that was to be banned, then it wasn't to be banned, and the Fine Gael parliamentary party that were delaying uh, the uh, changes in law when it came to the setting of turf that was supposed to be a big change in September of this year, uh, that could now not happen, and it depends on, on what the government is saying. Eamon Ryan kind of came down a bit then on Friday, the Green uh, Party leader of course, regarding what could change in respect to turf and the setting of turf later this year. So uh, while they're saying they're going to do one thing, then they back down and change it last minute. So that's what that texture is getting at there. Thank you for your text. And on carers, and this goes back to the work-life balance and how new rules will be coming in at, and becoming before the cabinet shortly on a better work-life balance, new laws on flexible working and also more rights for carers. Well, on that, Bridget is in Mallow. Bridget is a carer. And she says she is not allowed to work more than 18 and a half hours per week. But Bridget feels if they raised the hours, there would not then be a shortage of carers. That's why people do not get into the profession is because you can't survive on that length of work hours. If they increase this, the more people would go in to the service. And indeed, then there may not be a shortage of carers, says Bridget in Mallow. And we got a lot of calls this morning then, and I'd love your views on this from various people who are commenting on the Easter Rising commemorations uh, that took place, of course, across the Easter weekend. First of all, Mary is in Mallow, and she says that she was very disappointed to see no flag up in Mallow over the weekend. Mary says, come Christmas... Every place is decorated, but nothing across Easter. And when you say no flag, I presume you do mean the tricolour, the Irish flag, uh, not being up in your town of Mallow across the weekend, Mary. Uh, how do others feel about this? Uh, some areas did, in, in where, where I was across the weekend, did have the Irish flag flying high, uh, and maybe others did not. But then some people always have an impression that if they do put up the Irish flag, that it may give the wrong impression because the flag has been misused so much over uh, the last... 100 years for various uh, different reasons so people all everybody has a has a view on the tricolor but people's views may differ uh, so that could be another reason why people may not be willing to fly uh, the Irish flag outside their home uh, your views are welcome on that uh, do you like Mary she said she's disappointed that there wasn't enough Irish flags uh, to commemorate the Easter rising across the weekend and while Tom is in Skibbereen and Tom says the president laid a wreath on Easter Sunday giving the wrong impression that the rising took place on the Sunday when in fact it was on the Monday. This happens every Easter. School children will be given the wrong impression, feels Tom in Skibbereen. Now locally a lot of the commemorations did take place yesterday on Easter Sunday, uh, or sorry on Easter Monday even. There was a lot of those that took place on the Monday so 
I'm not too sure why some take place on the Sunday and there's obviously a reason for that uh, but in fairness any of the ones in Cork the majority of them anyhow were held on Easter Monday but we can understand Tom's point of view and I'm sure in the schools they do teach everybody about the still that they, they teach regarding when the Easter Rising happened uh, and that it was on the Monday and, and the, the various history behind it and the lead up to that but does it make a huge difference or not? Tom Inskibarine, your views are welcome on what he is saying there. And then uh, something totally different outside of that. And this is on the bank holiday weekend, but for people who were out and about over the bank holiday weekend, this person on WhatsApp says, Hi JP, just to say, Ireland across the bank holiday weekend, it was a disgrace. For a country locked down so long and pubs and restaurants closed, and this WhatsApper says, and they whinging to open, while well, most of them were closed and then the ones that were open hot plates now costing about 16 to 18 euro and half portions around 14 euro and most of the time the food uh, when it came out it was cold I got soup and a sandwich and it was a half a mug of soup the government this whatever field take back your pandemic payment because we are being ripped off uh, so not too sure if others were out and about at the weekend or where you were out and about whether it was in Cork or, or elsewhere in the country but according to this person the prices have increased and they felt that there was a lot of pubs and restaurants closed across the Easter weekends. Now we have heard from that industry who first of all are finding it hard to get staff so they're not opening uh, all the time and they're not opening daytime either it could be just evenings or where they feel they can make the most, most money they will open for that time period then others especially when it comes to bars are just not opening. How many bars have we seen before any pandemic came uh, that just said they can't afford to keep their doors open with the energy costs and the insurance is the big thing for a lot of the bars was the insurance and then the decrease in customers uh, so because of that they felt it was time to close and for many they only open a couple of hours in the evening so uh, that they could be some of the reasons but did you notice that if you were out and about across the weekend uh, prices increasing and also a lot of restaurants and pubs were closed according to this person on WhatsApp across the weekend also, uh, they're adding on this uh, is that another thing they noticed was no speed cameras on roads and cars were speeding like nobody's business, says this person. Well, uh, I'm not sure what roads you were on, but I was working across the weekend coming to our studios and there was speed cameras on the roads uh, and they were there Sunday morning early and they were there also on bank holiday Monday morning early and indeed late. So they're, they're, where, where I was anyhow, uh, traveling on the roads, there was speed cameras on roadways. Maybe where you were, you didn't see them, but the speed cameras wore out in force across the weekend, I can tell you that. But regarding the situation with restaurants closed and those that are opened in, uh, this person feeling the prices have increased, your views are welcome. On text or WhatsApp, 86 or call Bernie, 0818-103-103. And then on the issue of accents, because uh, we mentioned this earlier, and this is from a report last week that came out from a podcast and many people have different views and accents, but this is Killian Murphy. And he says one of the reasons he moved his family back to Ireland was because his children were developing posh English accents. He was speaking to the Armchair Expert podcast. But what do people on the streets think about their children growing up with accents? Well, our reporter Tom Douglas went to find out. The English accent absolutely dominates our pop culture here. Miss Daphne Bridgerton. 
You have no idea what it is to have one's entire life reduced to a single moment. Even for kids. Mummy, Daddy, can George and I have an ice cream, please? Killian Murphy explains part of why he's moved back to Ireland, but to Dublin, not to Cork. We wanted the kids to be Irish. You know, they were sort of at that age where they were pre-teens. They had very posh English accents and I wasn't appreciating that too much. Dr Chris Mulhall is a lecturer in French at Waterford IT. He's a particular interest in phraseology. He says Killian's comments make sense. Accents identify you as being part of a group or outside of a group. So therefore it may be that certain adults for maybe career or social prospects may well take on the accent of the target group that they want to be part of. I went out on the streets. Some people didn't mind the idea of their kids growing up speaking the so-called Queen's English. Others, well, they weren't so keen. There's an actor, what's his name? Um, He was in Bridget Jones. He's a good actor, Hugh Grant. Grant. I can't stand his accent. I've got a mixed English Mayo accent, so it sounds quite posh to a lot of people, even though if I were to go over to England, people would say I have an Irish accent. Killian Murphy and his wife Yvonne lived in the UK with their kids for over a decade. Tom Douglas there and with that report. So your views, um, many people uh, have been in contact with us since we discussed this earlier in the show and mentioned we were going to hear from uh, Tom. Well, on this, Jimmy says, I have moved back from Birmingham as my children had an English accent but I wanted them to experience life growing up in Ireland so that is why we came home gladly now they have uh, developed an Irish accent but it wasn't the whole reason why we came back wasn't to do with their accent but they have changed now to a more Irish accent uh, says Jimmy while Tom says we came home to live in Ireland in 2019 but I am still questioning if I made the correct decision we lived in Cheshire and while we are now back in Ireland my children still have an English accent but that does not bother me we just wanted to wear them in Ireland and I felt it might be better to wear them here than in the UK but now I am questioning my decision when I see the resources here for children in hospitals and education now don't get me wrong the UK has many issues but the education system is completely different than the Irish education system the hospital network though is quite similar but I do feel everybody is able to access services easier than here in Ireland and yes, people still fight when it comes to disabilities. And yes, people still are on waiting lists. Uh, but it's dealt with, Tom feels anyhow, in a different manner. So while it wasn't the accents really he came home for, uh, he now is questioning if why he came home at all. Uh, Tom on WhatsApp to 0862103103. And on that, Maura on text says, JP, I love the Derry accent. I think it's fantastic watching Derry Girls last week. I realise how much I love their accent. And Jamie, uh, who is listening to us in Waterford, says, I love the Yorkshire accent. I always did and I always do and I always will. But So if I ever did move to the UK, I don't think I'd move home because my children developed an accent especially in Yorkshire I think Yorkshire was one of the accents that made it to the top uh, five not the the, the the top accent that people loved it was a survey was done last the end of last year where people across the UK and Ireland were asked about their favourite accent within both countries and Yorkshire was I think was number two and the Republic of Ireland accent uh, was the first on their list so the Irish accent was first uh, Yorkshire was second and Northern Ireland then uh, that was I think fourth or fifth but uh, yeah so you're not wrong there with your Yorkshire accent Jamie uh, you can maybe you have a favourite accent so you can let Bernie know 0818103103 text or WhatsApp 0862103103 but like Tom and Jimmy uh, would you move back from another country so your child would have an Irish accent or would it make a difference and have you noticed then like other callers who were saying they have noticed the younger people uh, with a twang uh, because they're watching 
TV, but a lot of the kids' TV shows that are on these days, they are, uh, well, there's a lot of them made here in Ireland by either RTE or TG Carr. Uh, there's still a lot imported and a lot of the streaming services will only uh, be made in the UK or indeed in the United States. And some people feel that the younger generation as they're watching these shows from the, when they're three, four or five, as they grow older, they have a slight American twang uh, or indeed a uh, UK twang. Your views are welcome. You can call us on 0818103103, text or WhatsApp 0862103103. On the way, we're going to be discussing the property market in this country. Are you uh, looking to buy your family home, your dream home, or are you frustrated that you're continuously outbid? And also others then who are holding off on purchasing a home because they're unsure of the market and sellers who don't know what to do because they're looking at the market thinking, could I get more? Or is the market the right time? Is this the right time to sell as I will still have to buy? Sellers will set up to purchase a house. They're not going to sell up and go nowhere. Uh, so a lot of advice on the way. If you have a question, get that into us now. Uh, or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103. We'll be discussing that next. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. And if you're on the roads, the Jackland Tunnel southbound, that is currently closed due to a truck after getting stuck in the tunnel. And as a result of that, I have a number of texts and calls to us saying there's huge delays now on the M8 motorway from Glanmire to the Dunketter roundabout. Uh, some people are texting in saying delays of up to an hour, that they've been stuck in traffic there for an hour trying to access the Dunketter roundabout. And that's because the uh, Jackland Tunnel southbound, it remains closed uh, due to uh, that truck, which has got stuck with within the tunnel, not too sure of a timeline when they'll get the truck out, but for the moment huge delays as you make away from the M8 motorway from Glanmire heading towards the Dunkettle roundabout. We'll keep you up to date on those delays across the programme. But house prices have increased by 15.3% in February and CEO figures show the residential property price index rose by 13.5% in Dublin and 16.8% outside of Dublin within the past 12 months. So there is not a day goes by here in the show where we receive a call from a person or a couple frustrated at trying to bid for a house and the price goes up, up and up. Well, to discuss uh, the housing market at present and also some tips if you were thinking of buying or indeed selling, I'm joined by Magella Galvin, a chartered estate agent and evaluator at DMG Galvin in Bandon. Good morning to you, Magella. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. I mean, the housing market makes the news itself these days with the prices increasing. But for the ordinary person, Magella, looking to buy, it is tough. I mean, first of all, looking ahead for the rest of 2022, demand is so high. Is it hard to see any reduction in pricing for the rest of the year ahead? Well, I suppose you you hit the ball in the head there, um, John Paul. Demand is so high and um, unfortunately although supply has increased a bit it's still very very low um, I suppose that there is there is a lot of um, cash in the market and people have had a lot of savings over the COVID so all of this is fueling prices. And when you mention people ha- had cash is that for deposits or are we seeing an increase in cash buyers? We're seeing an increase in cash buyers. Okay, so that's increasing demand even more because we're hearing from people who want to find their dream home and they put in an offer and the price increases and they lose out. And this is happening for them for a number of houses they are bidding on. I mean, are you seeing a lot of that at the moment as well? Yes, and the main issue there really, as I say, goes back 
to the shortage of supply and also I think um, you know rising inflation is causing the construction costs to go up so I you know I know that there is supply will increase a bit this year but it's nowhere near what we'll expect to meet demand. And with the demand so high, I mean, I would see houses for sale in, in where I live and you see the for sale sign go up and then by the Friday it would be sold or say agreed at least. Anyhow, are properties selling a lot faster than because of all of these factors combined? Absolutely. Um, the, the, I suppose the easiest thing really is um, once, once you put the property in the market, the queries flood in. And um, I suppose the important things for buyers really is that they really stick to their budget. And that goes back, I always think, to making a list of their, their wants and their needs. And I say wants and needs because in this market, you know, it, we all have things we want, but we have to really prioritise what we need, as in the minimum number of bedrooms, you know, and... And it also goes back to when you find the right property to go in with a strong offer and have your paperwork, have your proof of funds ready. Yeah, because for many people, when they get their mortgage approval, it usually will last for six months and people can kind of forget. And then when they see their dream home, they haven't renewed that offer from whatever bank they're with or going with for a mortgage and they can run out and that can hold things over for them, whereas somebody else could be in a situation whereby they have everything ready and then that can uh, get the other person ahead of you in the bidding process uh, and you can miss out. So make sure you your, your mortgage approval that you have is in date still. Absolutely. Absolutely. The sale, when I mentioned there about selling fast, uh, just explain something that a lot of people are texting in about here. It's regarding the sale agreed, uh, whereas uh, the sale agreed on the sign outside, but the house isn't sold yet. Just the difference there, is that to do with paperwork? Is that the main reason? I suppose the, the main thing really is when a property goes sale agreed um, and before it goes sold is really the amount of time it takes to prepare a contract. And that's down to paperwork, the legal system. But my advice to anyone thinking of selling is to get their paperwork in order um, at the early stage. So lies with your solicitor and they, they'll give you a list of what documents you need. Um, they'll have to request your, your title deeds and make sure planning is in compliance, etc. So if there was anything wrong, take for example, if somebody builds an extension to their home, to the side of their home and um, and they didn't get planning at the time. Okay, the time may have lapsed now, but when you go to sell your property, you'll actually have to go back and get retention, and that can take months and months, so slowing down the process. So it's always important, you know, and your estate agent will be able to advise you on this when they go out and look at your property, what they'll identify, have you got your boundaries in in order, what compliance you need and it will be a case of liaising with your solicitor and your engineer. And then for those people who are selling, as you mentioned there, maybe they're downsizing uh, or, or maybe they're just unsure of selling, uh, but they also need to purchase elsewhere. Would you say put your own house up for sale first? Because I presume you don't have to take every offer you receive uh, because it, you could have a situation whereby you see your dream house, but your own hasn't sold. Yes. Um, I think the one of the biggest issues, particularly in the second-hand market, is I speak to um, people every day of the week and they say they're thinking of selling their property, 
but they're afraid to put it on the market. So they're sitting on the fence because there's a lack of alternative stock available there. But the problem is when they do find a property they want, and if they haven't their property in the market, their offer won't be taken seriously. So they're going to miss out on their property. So my advice is to put your property on the market and you have to realise that you don't have to accept the offer. And also I'd like to remind vendors that they can set the terms of the contract in relation to closing dates. And I suppose a tip for buyers really also in relation to this is if they're more flexible with closing dates with vendors, that's also going to be a strong point when they're going within with an offer. And when you are selling, and you mentioned there about having everything in order legal-wise and your boundaries and everything like that, looking at the house itself, make sure it's presentable and looking at the interiors and the outside of the house so it looks practical and it looks on a, on a selling point like you were going to a shop to buy any item uh, that it will grab attention because a lot of people these days I presume are looking on the likes of Daft and your own DMG websites for a new home. Yes that's very true and I always say like first impressions are so important and um, like it can be even down to things like the photograph make sure they're looking well but I think you know some people think that before a viewing they'll do a big clean up when your property is on the market, it needs to be clean inside and outside all the time. Because the amount of buyers, they'll look at it on the internet, but they'll drive past before they'll book a viewing. So you need to have the curb appeal on the outside very, very well done. So they'll, they'll look at the area, I suppose, around the house as well before they'll, they'll commit to looking at a house or, or ringing you guys. And for, for selling at the moment, what is the, the second-hand sales market like in Ireland? So it's very, very um, competitive for buyers, um, quite simply because the stock is one of the lowest in years. Um, so I suppose... You know, if we, we put up a property there, you're going to be flooded with inquiries and then bidding more start. And as we mentioned earlier, the sales are happening fast. The reason I mentioned about second-hand sales there is Paul has been in touch. Now, he is a first-time buyer, uh, but he's unsure what to do. Uh, himself and his partner, they're looking to buy a, a new home because they think the new homes have better energy ratings, but the new homes are so much exp- so expensive in the Cork area. He's looking at four two five to 450000 God, that's a huge amount for a three-bed house. Uh, I presume in the suburb areas, you're looking, well, it could be anywhere really these days. I mean, a lot of the the yes. county towns are, are, are commuter routes now as well. Uh, but he says, should they now look at the second-hand market for better value if prices are high on new bills, but they are concerned about the energy ratings because they feel they can get grants for that? Um, I suppose first-time buyers, a lot of, and um, the majority of them are going for the new bills purely because they can get the help-to-buy scheme. And obviously, the energy rating is very important and sustainable for the future. But I think, you know, at times we need to look outside the box and maybe it's time to look at a more affordable option. So, for example, that may mean a lower energy rating in a second-hand house because there are lots of grants available and you can improve your rating over time. Because I always say, John Paul, that, you know, a home is for life. You can be working over time. It doesn't have to be perfect from the start. 
Yeah, and you're always, if anybody, home, any homeowners tuned to us will always know that you're never finished with your house. Once you buy it, you'll always be touching something up in the house uh, over the number of years, no matter how long you own it. And for the likes of Paul now, who is obviously looking to buy it and, and is realising that the prices are just going up for the new homes. I mean, would you suggest to him and others not to put everything on just one house and to look at a range of areas? Because a lot of people would want to maybe buy near a workplace or in a commuter town, but to maybe diversify in where you think you can get better value for money? Yes, I think, you know, buying a home is a very emotional process and you can get so attached to, you know, you see your dream home. But there is, you need to have kind of a walk away clause um, if it goes over your budget. So I suppose my advice really would be absolutely, John Paul, to widen your search. Um, you know, with hybrid working continuing, we can, you know, um, we don't have to be near the, the cities and towns. So the further you go out, the greater affordability. And the other thing, as I say, is, you know, looking beyond the new bills. And a very important thing that a lot of buyers don't know is that not all the properties hit the portal. So it's very important to register your interest with your estate agent. Because they will be, like, we had a number of properties um, in the past few months that sold off-market. So the owner didn't want it to go um, out in the open market, but they simply came and said, if you have a buyer for this property, we're interested. So in that case, we emailed all the buyers that were listed in our database, and they got the option of viewing the property. Oh, that's interesting. So you, if you're looking for your dream home on Dafter or one of those uh, websites, it might not be there if the, if the seller doesn't want it to make it public. But then they'll go directly to you and you will let people know. So register with your, with whoever your, your local estate agent or a number of them, I suppose, really, so that you get the, you get the offers in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, very finally, Magella, a question here from a person on WhatsApp who says, Good morning, John Paul, and good morning, Magella. I have a second house, which was our starter home. Now, I would love to sell this, but would have to pay way too much tax if I was to sell it. So I really don't know what to do with this second house. Any ideas? Yes, I think a lot of people are in that situation as well. Um, But the important thing um, to remember there is, you know, to speak to your tax consultant and your accountant. But there are a number of things like that you can take off. So, for example, any work you did over the years there, that can all be deducted from from your tax amount. Okay, Magella, well, good advice there for anybody who is in that situation of purchasing or indeed selling a home at the moment. Best of luck to everybody who's contacted us looking uh, to find their dream home. Hopefully it doesn't work out for you. And Magella, thanks to you for joining us this morning on the programme. Thank you, John Paul. Take care. That is Magella Galvin there, a chartered estate agent and valuer at DMG Galvin in Bandon. Advice if you were purchasing a home or indeed selling a home over the next year. But as she said, uh, things no let up in house prices and no change due to the demand issues. Your views are welcome. 0818 103 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And coming up next, we'll speak with Terry Alderton, a well-known comedian. You'll know him from the shows such as Live at the Apollo. He's also a familiar face as he 
stars in hit TV shows such as The Bill, EastEnders, Holby City and more. We'll chat with him next ahead of his Cork game. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818103103. As live music has returned, so is live comedy. And well-known comedian Terry Alderton arrives to Cork this coming Saturday to perform in City Limits Comedy Club on Corbrook Street. And Terry joins me this morning on the programme. Good morning to you, Terry. Hello, hello, hello. All right? I'm fine. How are you? That's a good East to <laughs> Hello there. <laughs> I, I just ran away from the dogs, actually. I'm not, I'm not in a crazy world of, of, of dog following, but um, I just re- realised it was in my lounge, and I thought, I know my dogs are going to go off. <laughs> and I was waiting for you to come on the line, and I just got the dog, the, the dog door closed just in time. So there you are. There I are. know I'm telling you that, but I feel like I've just accomplished something for the moment. Well, well there you are. We, we, <laughs> we got ahead a few barks on the ways. I'm glad well you share that information with us, Terry. And welcome to the programme. <laughs> I was I was uh, informing listeners earlier on just when we were doing the preview of the show of the, the big stars and names you have worked with on various shows. I mean, you've worked with the likes of Michael McIntyre, Joan Rivers, and I think many of our listeners are familiar with you from the performances we see on the TV shows Live at the Apollo uh, and you have a great gift, uh, can I just say, of telling a story with comedy embedded throughout the story. I mean, how do you learn to do that? You know, have a story on stage, telling it to the audience, but the comedy is right throughout that story. Yeah. Well, I think it's because <laughs> I think it's because it's all lies. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I th- I, I've just I spent my whole life. Um, uh, being or trying to be funny I suppose you know as a young man at school or whatever because I couldn't read and write so it's kind of a a deflection if that makes sense you know of everyone going look at at Soppy in the corner instead of that I made myself funny bearing in mind anyone thinking that's not very nice to say I'm from the era of they didn't even know what dyslexia was you know so um, before you start jumping down the phone at me um, you know that's how old I am so you know I was seen as stupid I'm from that generation um, so I think, uh, you know, I deflected that and, and just continued with the, the, the <laughs> that it kind of worked for me there, deflecting from, uh, you know, whatever it may be. So I think it's just continued with me through life and then, and then come on stage with me, I suppose. That's probably why. I mean, that's the best I can come up with. Well, you interact with the crowd very well. I mean, one thing when people go along to a comedy gig, Terry, and you'll probably see this because you're on the stage, you'll get the person who is frightened that they're going to be picked out in the crowd and the comedian's going to speak to them or drag them up on the stage. (laughs) You do that a lot, especially live with the Apollo and some of the TV shows whereby you do kind of pick somebody out in the audience and maybe not embarrass them, but at least everybody knows they're in the crowd. Yeah, exactly that. It's no, yeah, I'm not one for going. Yeah, yeah, you're right. How do I put it? Yeah, no one gets. It's not like being picked on. Going, oh, look at that stupid jumper you're wearing. It's not that. I think you've become part of it. But I, I don't think. I think I can always tell who's up for it just by looking in their eyes. You know, I would never pick someone if I think, oh God, you know, they're going to be uh, in any way sitting there going, I don't like this. You know, and and if I do start with somebody and I think mm, they're not up for it, I'll move over. So. I'll only go with people that I know are going to be up for it. Because um, uh, no one wants to sit there thinking, oh, no, please don't pick on me. And like you say, I don't pick on anyone. You you become part of the show. And when I say that, I don't mean, you know, I'm going to get a load of people up to look stupid Why they get the laughs. And I just go, oh, look, look at these people doing stuff. You know, for me, it's all about 
bringing everybody into it and being part of it, even if you're sitting right back there in row, row Z, you know, I think everyone being part of the show for me is important, as in, like, all lending mentally to the show, even if it's that. So it yeah. makes sense. And then the interaction is there and people, as you say, feel part of the show when they're interacting with you and they get the chance to interact with the person who was on stage, you know, who, who they are going to see. And with the interaction, yeah. you have a great knack. We've been speaking there about accents across the uh, programme this morning. You have a great uh, knack of just changing your voice totally. Might not be to a different, well, it is to a different accent, but also just to a different personality totally. <laughs> and you turn well, your back to the... Anyway. <laughs> well, at the moment, I'm I'm in the middle of I'm just just to talk to you. I stopped recording. I'm recording a podcast called Bear with Me. If you want to go and find it, uh, it's on all the usual places. But in that, I I do all the music and I write it and I produce it myself. But I play all the characters in that, you know, and the women as well. So exactly what you say is quite a weird thing that I can jump from. I mean, even when I listen back, they sound like different people and they're not me. It's, it's weird and. I think I think that goes back to to being a young uh, when I was very young, having an imaginary friend and what have you, who's still here, and uh, he was called Bogey. <laughs> right? And I think that's the ability that I've always I must have sort of not a multi personality thing, but I just must have a thing where I can you know talk. I can talk to myself and and make characters and make my own thing happen. Yeah, I, I sound like I was just a very lonely child. <laughs> He was obviously very lonely. Um, I'm sure you had many but, friends, Terry. <laughs> no, I, I did, and but and and imaginary ones as well. But <laughs> I said, but uh, yeah, I do, and that, and that talking to myself and all that, that at the back of the stage and, and all that, which was just a complete fluke of a device. You know, uh, I call it a device. I think it's part of me, but it, it, I've used it to to try and tell jokes differently because most people will set up a gag at, or a story, like you say, at the front, and then. You know, but I, I like to sort of set them up at the back. So when you were saying about me telling stories and making them funny earlier on, you know, mm. I do interject with those, with those voices as well. Yeah, and it works really well. I just think it's fascinating when you just turn your back to the stage and you're a completely different sounding person. <laughs> and you can see the audience just love that on those shows. Now, the I, show, I, I love doing that, yeah. Yeah, I know it, it's, it's just fantastic. I think anybody who has uh, can mimic another accent the way you have, and I know we have Marion Rosenstock, a comedian here, can do similar. It's, it really is a gift. Yeah. And, I mean, this show, Saturday Night, it's described as a brand new show. I mean, will we have some of what we've seen in other shows brought into this show? Is it, is it totally I don't new? know where this where this is coming from this brand new show there is no brand new show I'm just I'm going to oh they have it here they, they have it here the script and the release I don't listen it's fine I've, I've had this come up to me before about this brand new show they, they, I'm literally this tour that I'm doing and coming over to, to, to I'm so excited about a call I'm going to do Galway as well which is I'm famous for, for loving you know and I mm. I haven't been to Cork since I worked out I haven't seen Brian who runs because it was a pub the City Limits gig and it's now opened up into this great big thing and that was uh, that was probably nineteen ninety eight. Oh well, it's a long time. And you talk about you talk about doing accents. That's the one accent I really want to master is the Cork accent. That's that's the just best accent in the world. Next to next to a Geordie accent, I think Geordie and Cork accents are fantastic. Um, but, and can um, you do one? Can you can you? No, I'm not really. I, no, I'm not even going to attempt it on the phone. I might do it on stage because I yeah. can get away with it when it's rubbish. Then, but it's that whole. It's I always think the people of Cork. When they start talking, they get they go higher and higher, and it sounds like they're they're going to cry at any moment. <laughs> going higher, and they go so so low, and it sounds like they're going to pop. It's going to go really low. They start going here, and they go. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> it's 
beautiful. And the word, I don't know, and there's one word that they say constantly, but I'm not going to say it because I'm not sure if it's allowed to be said on the radio. Uh, it starts with an L. But in in the UK, that means that means a man's genital area. So, oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, the, the, we, we, we can s- we can say it because it's a very Cork phrase. It's called Langer. There was a song actually released it. in Cork <laughs> about about that word as well. So yeah, but it has different I meanings love. in different wor- in different parts of the world, Terry. Yeah, uh, in this part of the world over in the UK, <laughs> it, it does mean genital part. <laughs> no, it just means you've a fool here or an idiot. I think. Yeah, yeah. So so I do like that. and getting that word. Saying Langer correctly is is really sums up that Cork accent, that beautiful Langer. It's that it's bounces. It's just beautiful. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful accent. Yeah, they say uh, that the um, you mentioned Geordie there. They, they say the Geordie accent, uh, the Liverpool accent, the Cork accent. There's many more of them, but they're the hardest to lose and also the hardest to imitate. I would, I would, I would say uh, Geordie's not so hard, like um, and and Scousers. The thing about Scousers, there's two, isn't there? There's a that one's on there like that, and then there's the Elgarth, that one up there, you know. But, um, yeah, I think as well, and what you have to take into account with Liverpool and, and Manchester, but Liverpool, I mean, that's very Irish. That's, that's an Irish d- derivative that, that, that derives from Ireland, that Scouse, doesn't it? That, yeah, they say that. that yeah. Irish Scottish sort of mashup, isn't it? Yeah, and, and a lot of the also, phrases that they use in Manchester and the north of England as well, uh, and many people would say they, they've come from those who immigrated over the years out of well, Dublin. I, I, I think the best one, of course, is uh, when you say to uh, uh, people of Jamaica and what have you, uh, you, you inform that the bears is Irish. You know, they're like, no, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> you go, Thursday. <laughs> Thursday, man. You know, and you go, no, it's, it's, you're speaking kind of an Irish. I mean, there's, there's that far. Ireland spreads everywhere. It's amazing right. where it's touched. So, I won't, anyway, go back to your original question before we go about this history lesson anymore. I... Uh, I am. I am just going to come over and be funny. That's what I've decided. This is. There is no new show. I mean, every show is different anyway. And when I just go off on a tangent, you know, it'll it'll go where it goes. So yeah, they're all new in their own respect, I suppose. Yeah, they're all new and they're all my yeah. little babies in their own funny way. Yeah. Now, something that a lot of comedians do as well, uh, you act, and we see so many comedians who transfer from soap or drama and backed into the comedy stage or indeed to the comedy TV side of things. But you were in many big TV productions, uh, such as The Bill, EastEnders and, and Holby City. I mean, that's a completely uh, different side of TV, you know, in, in a soap compared to what you do on the stage. Is it the variety that you enjoy when you are in, in those dramas? I think... I, I... I don't know. I just think they came by chance. I um more 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 bigger than that. You know, uh, I mean, EastEnders. I was in that for a year, but I also I was in the I was in a whole uh, series of London's Burning at the end. Did you get that overnight? Yeah, London's we got we get that. It was um yeah we would have got at the time it was on VITV. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I thought you would get it over there. I'm not. I'm not. But you never know. You just don't know, do you? Um, I was in that. I was in they, that, that ran for fourteen series, and I I got in the last series of that, and then they and then they acted. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's where my career is at but um acting is just by by chance it was it's just been by chance like for example the eastenders part julia crampsey uh needed to fill this part which was the part of bianca's boyfriend she's more of a famous character that i think most people know and she came up to edinburgh that year of 2013 believe it or not that's how long ago it was and she said, come and see me, because I want you to come and play this part in EastEnders. And I took a spoon to the meeting, and I gave her this spoon, and she said, what's that for? And I said, I'd rather poke my own eyes out with that than be in EastEnders. <laughs> she was like, oh, don't be like that. 
And and by chance, I ended up doing ear in, in that show and actually quite enjoyed myself, to be honest with you. But going back to your original question on that, what is really difficult is when you go into that and then you come back and do some stand-up, you kind of don't know where you are as a comic so much anymore because obviously my stuff's a bit wild and dark at times, you know, and now I've entered into this this sort of uh, mainstream kind of happy place. Does that make any sense? Yeah, so no, it does. My, yeah, life, yeah. my life at home has obviously changed. My life in the public has changed, you know, where I'd get recognised being a comic, not not so often, but, you know, people go, oh, you're the comedian kind of thing. Yeah, and then you're recognised for your role in these tenders that then sometimes more than more than the comedian, yeah. Oh, massively, massively. And uh, so like, the whole dynamic changes. And, you know, for me as a comedian, I work very much where I am in my life, if that makes sense. You know, I, I, like, so uh, there's been very dark periods of me on stage. You know, at the moment, I'm in a, a really nice place. So that transition between two things is difficult. So, but yes. Acting and comedy, for me personally, are completely worlds apart, yes. Well, you will be in the comedy stage this coming Saturday night. It doors open at 8 o'clock. It starts at 9pm. It's the City Limits Comedy Club on Corbrick Street. You can get tickets from them right up to Saturday itself. Uh, Terry, we look forward to that. Have a great evening in Cork. Wonderful talking to you. Thank you very much. I can't wait. I can't wait. And like I say, I'm coming to Cork. And then I'm going to Galway after, so I'm two in my favourite place. So I'm there we are, home. yeah. And you can you can take the Cork accent off in Galway as well and see how oh, they react. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, they, they'll let me know. They always they let you know. They will. Oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah. They won't hold back. <laughs> Terry, fantastic talking to you. Mind Lovely yourself you, and enjoy Cork. Thank you. Take Thank care, you. take care. That is uh, the wonderful Terry Alderton there uh, joining us uh, regarding his uh, new gig. Even though it's not really new, it's a, I suppose every show is new, as I said to him. But it's a going ahead in city limits uh, this coming Saturday night on Corbrick Street. You can get tickets from them if you want to check out Terry on stage with the best of comedy this Saturday night. Now, uh, traffic is easing on the M8 motorway heading to the Jack Lynch Tunnel. This was due to a truck which uh, was in, well, got stuck in the tunnel. It was basically an oversized vehicle is how they put it, but the truck got stuck in the tunnel earlier. The tunnel line, we believe, is reopened, but there are still delays in the Glanmire area. Uh, C103 Street Fleet, Ken Parrish has the latest... Roadworks there just gone into Glanmire. Well, actually, in both directions in Glanmire, it's by the first garage that you meet, and traffic is extremely busy. I just came into Glanmire, so I came from, we'll say, the Dunkettle site. Tunnel is back open, by the way. Come out for a look at that. Tunnel is back open, and traffic into Glanmire is extremely busy. Thank you, Ken. We'll have more of your calls and comments along with our regular councillor, Joe Heffernan, joining us after C103 News at midday. Now, it's Cork today on till one. Bernie taking your views right now on 0818 103 103. Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Shortly on the programme, we'll be going through a lot of the calls and comments we had across the programme on various issues to do with property prices. Also, a big reaction on uh, accents and the various accents across the world and also on the cost of going out over the weekend and how, if you went for a meal, how expensive it was since the last time maybe you were out. Plus, after 12.30, our regular show counsellor, Joe Heffernan, will join us and discussing long COVID and before people say they're sick of hearing about COVID, this is more to do with those who have got COVID over the last month or two months, but had this fatigue that seemingly stays around or does stay around. We all had it. Uh, we all know it stays around for about a month or more. But it's when you're, as most people are trying to work and go about your daily business with this fatigue, whereby you just feel you're hitting a brick wall every two hours or so. Uh, that and more between now and one. But 
Cork County Council, they have written to Antishok Mihol Martin in relation to our emergency services across Cork County. There is a call for extra personnel so that services can be fulfilled. Well, the motion was tabled by Councillor Michael Paul Murta, who now joins me this afternoon. Uh, hello, Paul. Hello, how are you doing? Uh, you received a lot of support from all parties on this, and it's widely known, Paul, that staff is needed, along with resources, for all sectors of the emergency services. I mean, we talk here of the ambulance crews, the Gardaí, and much more. Yeah, look, I suppose um, it, got, it, look, it was got resounding support on Monday, uh, the, the motion that I put in, and the reason for that is because it's not the first time we've spoken about these things in, in, in the council chamber. Um, all the councillors have brought forward motions on the Gardaí, on the ambulance services and on uh, the retained fire service, particularly here in, in, in Cork County. Um, problems with um, staffing levels and staffing numbers and uh, recruitment and retention. Um, and, and so I was literally just bringing it all together. Um, I feel as if the moratorium on recruitment um, you know, at the economic downturn, just after the economic downturn, and the policies that were put in place at that time re- has really affected the frontline uh, services. And you know, it was a place where I, I suppose the government um, tapped into and used to to try and prop up what, what, um, um, our economy at the time. Um, but unfortunately, you know, the cracks are beginning to appear now, and those the policies that were put in place then can't keep going on you know and we need to review it reverse it and and I know there's um, it's in progress in the Gardaí they're in progress in the HSC to do with gambling services and things like that and it really needs to be looked at because you know you can only kind of um, cost cut for so long before you start doing serious damage and, and there is damage being done and as I say um, we, we hear about it now every single month at the at, at chamber meetings um, where, you know, people are waiting longer to see ambulances and like an unacceptable length of time. Um, we have we have issues with numbers in the, in the fire service and um, manning stations, things like that. It's basically, as I, as I was saying in the chamber, paperwork and uh, statistics don't pull people out of the river. You know, firefighters do. They, do, they don't take... Um, guns and knives out of people's hands. The Gardaí do that, you know, and actual personnel people do that. And uh, we need people on the ground and we need them badly. And that moratorium you spoke about there, I mean, the impact is evident on the front line. Uh, you mentioned there the ambulance, the firefighters, the Gardaí. And something else we see a lot of is when the Gardaí, when they leave Temple Moor and they're sent to various Garda stations across the country, there always is more sent to the Dublin region and the East Coast. And I know population is higher there, but there is a need for Cork. And if you look at the numbers over the last number of years, it's evident Cork is not getting its fair share for the size of the city. City and county, it is. Yeah, well, look, that's that's an obvious thing, and and I suppose the reason why Gardaí are sent to Dublin, sent to uh, you, you mentioned the the West Coast area. I presume you mean oh, the, you know the East Coast, oh, the East Ireland, Coast, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I I always felt that you know there was there was major operations in Limerick and there were major operations in Dublin, um, and and a lot of that is down to drug and crime gangs and and trying to break those up, and and that needs to be done, you know, um, but unfortunately. Um, people a- a- adapt and overcome, and um, and you know we see an awful lot of drugs in Cork now. It's an absolute scourge. And again, um, I-, I know it's a broad motion, and it is why I brought the defence forces into this as well. Um, and it's simply because drugs is a scourge in our society, a scourge, and 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 it needs to be 
seriously, uh, uh, we, we need to be defending it, you know, and, and that's a job for our military services as well, particularly our Navy um, patrolling the coast. And I, and, I, and I made a point of this um, several times. Again, we're down numbers in, in the armed forces and we need to get those numbers back. These people play a crucial role in our society. And it's not a place where we can afford to cut costs and um, save on, on labour costs, you know. Um, we need people out there patrolling our, our coast. We need to stop, um, you know, destructive drug use um, in, in all our towns and villages and cities uh, across the country. Um, because it's a scourge, you know, it is, and um, it needs to be needs to be stopped. And our frontline emergency essential services—that's the job they do. And I can't, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to press that point, um, uh, uh, you know, across the board. And what you mentioned earlier regarding paperwork won't save people or won't pull uh, items from a river or from a car accident. I mean, in the situation whereby it seems to be going back to paperwork and back to civil servants, you now are writing to on Taoiseach from Cork County Council to see if any difference will be made. Do you think something will change with regard to this? I mean, it's evidence, as we've outlined, emergency services are under-resourced. But what do you think can be done or do you think the Taoiseach can put a pressure on the civil servants who are making these decisions? Well, look, there's, there's a big difference. But as I said, look, the point I'm trying to make is there's a big difference between jumping into the into the river or when you when you think about the, the amount of paperwork that Gardaí have to do after they, uh, you know, after they come back from calls and things like that. It's 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 not the, it's not the job that you imagine a guard a guard does. You know, like in the traditional picture, job a guard is chasing down a thief or whatever. You know, and that job needs to be done, believe it or not. And there are certain types of people that are good at that. There are certain types of people that are good at jumping in the river. There are certain people that are good at uh, climbing cranes and 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 taking people off cranes who are stuck there. You know, um, and there are also there is also need for the paperwork and the health and safety side of things afterwards. What I'm saying is that the, the workload, the, the workload of that needs to change. And the front line, the men and women who serve on the front line, who do those, who take those risks, need to be doing that job. And the paperwork side of things needs needs maybe needs to go elsewhere. Yeah, so we need more Gardaí on the beach, basically, is what you're saying. Seen on the streets, seen and a, a bigger job, presence. Day, day job, yeah. yeah, rather day, than inside day. doing office work. Exactly, and that's and, and literally that's the, the proper recruitment and attention across. Uh, as far as I've been hearing across the Gardaí and across the services, is that they're doing less and less of what they should be doing, and more and more paperwork. And it, it, you know, as I said, we need to review it and we need to reverse some of that. Um, and um, yeah, and and if it requires more personnel, well, that's more personnel need to be needs to be hired. Um, I'm you know just from my own point of view as a firefighter in Cork City. Um, it's it's numbers we're looking for. Um, it's it's not you know it's, it's the first time I'd say I'm 23 years in there. It's the first time that we're not shouting and roaring about paying conditions. We're we're just trying to protect and uh, and and bulk up the numbers to back to where they should be, which is at optimum levels. Not not just bringing bringing them back up to minimum levels, but bringing them back up to optimum levels of personnel. And that's you know we we it needs a serious. It needs to be looked at seriously. And yes, I think it is. I think the Guardian are reviewing. They've commenced the review at the moment. The HSE, as they say, have commenced the review. But it requires a review across the, the, the public services. We're all very aware of, of the issues in the Defence Forces. Again, that's pay and condition related. And um, as I say, I, I'm making the case constantly that we can't do without these people. They, 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 the, the Naval Service 
um, patrol our coastline, stop drugs coming into the place. And, you know, if we need to deploy our armed services to stop drugs, uh, uh, discourage the drugs across our society, then that's what we should do. And, you know, I don't see any issue with it whatsoever. Uh, you know, and that, that would be my opinion. Well, we'll wait and see what comes back from the Taoiseach office regarding what you've written to them and to him from a Cork County Council and if a restructuring, basically, of the public service, the way they carry out their work needs to be done as well, I think, regarding of outside of bringing people into the public service, mm. I think they need to restructure how they do things. For the moment, we'll see what happens. So thanks for joining us this afternoon. That is Councillor Michael Paul Murta, and I think many would agree with him on that, that, for example, from the Gardaí point of view, the more of a Garda present you have, you would hope it would deter crime in an area uh, whereby at the moment it seems Gardaí are more in the office filling out forms and doing paperwork whereby they want to be out in the beach and want to be uh, seen on the roads and similar for others in the emergency services. Uh, your views are welcome. Uh, you can call Bernie 0818 103 103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. A lot of calls and comments in on various issues we've been discussing this morning. We'll get to those next. The C103 Cork Diary with Cork County Council Delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Adam Cara will meet in the Munster Arms Hotel in Bandon this evening at 7.15pm. All bereaved parents are welcome regardless of the age of the child or circumstances of death. Cancer Connect is looking for voluntary drivers across Cork County. Information evenings are being held this evening and this afternoon. First of all in the CYMS Community Hall in Newmarket from 2 o'clock and at 7 o'clock then this evening in the Middleton Park Hotel. Everyone is welcome to go along and there'll be plenty of time for questions and answers. Bingo is on tonight in Chambalay Moor at 8 o'clock. The jackpot there is €1,700. And Dermot O'Mahuna GA Club, they're holding their yearly Blues on the Move fundraising campaign in aid of Ronald McDonald House. They're asking everyone to walk or run during this week and to donate to their funds on iDonate or through their website. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And earlier on the show, we had a texter and a calls in regarding people who were out over the Easter weekend and noticed a price going up in bars and indeed in restaurants from drink to food. When Mary says, Hi, John Paul, what a joke of a country. The prices of food are gone so expensive, 19 euros 50 for a lamb dinner in a bar. People will be staying at home cooking themselves like they did during the height of COVID, says Mary on WhatsApp to 086. 2103103. While John says, I was out across the weekend and I did notice a huge increase in prices. I can understand why this is from inflation uh, to transport costs and indeed a lot of the hospitality sectors were closed over the last two years. So I can understand uh, the high costs that they are facing, but still it is turning me off going out every weekend at this stage, says John. While Luke says he paid seven euros or just over seven euros for a pint in the city at the weekend says Luke so prices are going up I read somewhere that in some areas of the country 
uh, it was in Temple Bar and those areas in Dublin which is always more expensive uh, but they reckon that we could be hitting uh, the very near anyhow the 10 euro mark for uh, a point in some of those areas of Dublin and wonder will that happen in Cork we're not too far behind Dublin prices uh, when it comes to hospitality in Cork but then on the flip of that somebody who was out and who said they had great uh, wonderful hospitality in fact great grub and the price were very was very reasonable uh, Connie in Kishkame says I was in Bob's Bar in Ballydesmond for dinner yesterday it was very reasonable, great grub and wonderful hospitality. So there's a flip to everything. While some people uh, had a weekend where it was expensive, Connie in Kishkeem had the opposite then when he was in Ballydesmond yesterday afternoon. And from the prices increasing in bars and restaurants to the accents we spoke about earlier on the show, and this all came from a Cork actor, Killian Murphy, who moved back to Ireland a number of years ago. But uh, in a podcast last week, he said one of the reasons he came home was so that his uh, children would have an Irish accent and not an English accent. And many people, uh, some agreed with what he did. Some felt that they'd come back for different reasons. And one man came back and he said, he's sorry he came back. Anyhow, on this uh, on WhatsApp, this person says, Hi, JP, uh, I think accents are put on by most people who come from nothing trying to make something of themselves. You can get an Irish person, for instance, to go to America for one week and then they come back with this pretend accent. But you can get an Irish person to go to America for years and they come back as Irish as ever, says that person on WhatsApp. While Mike says, and this is coming from the fact that uh, some are, are, are noticing younger children from maybe the age of five, six or seven have a slight American or English twang in their accent because of the amount of streaming services they are now watching. And a lot of the shows in those streaming services are produced in the UK or indeed in America. And many feel that they have uh, this type of uh, twang. Well, Mike differs on that. Mike says there has been American programs on television since the 60s. If that were a reason, then everyone over the age of 50 would be talking with mid-Atlantic accents. These false accents were cultivated during the 80s and have nothing to do with American television programmes, says Mike on WhatsApp. And then Dee says, the Cork alone as a county has so many different accents I just love it. When you're away from your own town, it's comforting to return and to hear the various voices and accents. Uh, the children of today are way more accepting of accents as we have a modern, new culture going forward, says D on WhatsApp, while Carmel uh, something similar to D says yes Cork has so many accents and Carmel makes a, an example uh, saying people in Mitchellstown uh, who have a, a deeper accent sound and they sound totally different than people in Beira and Carmel says even in the city itself has different accents if you travel in various parts of the city you find different accents so she says Cork and its own right has a wave of various accents from north south east and west uh, Carmel thank you for your call on 0818 103103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 on property Helen and Banlan D we spoke earlier with Magellan Galvin uh, regarding I suppose tips first of all on if you're selling or buying a property and where is the property market going uh, for the rest of 2022 and all we can say is up and demand will be increasing for the rest of the year as well no change there uh, Helen in Banladi was thanking Magella for what the first of all the advice she gave but she said it was clear sound advice is what she gave uh, while Joe in Kilmallock says we are going to have another crash he blames the auctioneer 
here is that they are making the prices rise too much, says Joe in Kilmallock. While Deirdre says, I was, and for many years, looking to purchase my own home. Eventually I did. And again, like your examples earlier, I was outbid and outbid in my dream home. Eventually, I got my dream home. And it was thanks to my auctioneer who, in the end, realised that I was bidding and bidding and bidding. And I kept meeting the same four auctioneers. Uh, In the end, one guy gave me a tip off that a house was coming up for sale and for me to have everything in order. In the end, thankfully, that was the house I got. Uh, And it made me realise that while people, this is actually the opposite to what Joe just said why people diss what auctioneers do sometimes and many of the times they are on your side but they can't give a house to someone and they have no control over who starts bidding and who starts the bidding war because everybody will want that one house uh, that's from Deirdre on 18 or on 0818103103 by phone or a text or whatsapp 0862103103 and Jackie in Kenturk, uh, he was in Parky Cueve on Sunday for the Cork and Limerick game, but he found a sum of money and it was announced at the time, but no one claimed uh, the sum of money. Now, Jackie was a steward at the match. So if you did lose a sum of money at the Cork Limerick game in Parky Cueve last Sunday, get in contact with us. We have Jackie's number and he may be able to return that sum of money to you. And Charity Bingo in Skibbereen in the Skibbereen Eagle in Tregumna. Uh, that was uh, due to be held tonight. It's cancelled, and uh, that is due to uh, local bereavement. On the way, we're going to speak with Joe Heffernan, and we'll be discussing uh, something that is affecting a lot of people, uh, the fatigue that you have after suffering COVID. But how do you get around that when you have a busy household and you're working as well? We'll discuss that next. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. And our regular show councillor, Joe Heffernan, joins us as usual on a Tuesday afternoon. Afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, JP. And uh, hopefully you had a good Easter. And this is something, Joe, that a lot of people uh, will be commenting on today because uh, many, unfortunately, uh, had COVID over the last month or two months. But it's what follows this for about a month or two months as well. It's this lack of energy, this fatigue. And while many people, you know, if you're working day in, day out and getting up early in the morning and at the end of the day, you're going home to your family, they just can't beat the energy. And it's, it's not very easy when you have to go in and do a day's work, Joe. And you're looking at that today on this slot on how people can overcome this or deal with this situation. Yeah, and not alone a month or two months after, but I mean, you know, um, now and again, a person can be uh, have long COVID um, a year and a year plus after having COVID-19, um, which is... Um, very, very um, upsetting uh, for the person. Um, there was a survey done recently about long COVID, and um, the the four um, uh, most reported uh, symptoms were um, fatigue, more than half, 51% of people with long COVID, um, Loss of taste or smell, 37% of people with long COVID. Shortness of breath, 36%, uh, just about the same. And difficulty concentrating, uh, 28%. So um, these are difficult symptoms uh, to 
to cope with and um and can be there a long time and uh you know it has to be um, very very difficult uh, to put up with those kind of symptoms uh, so long after having had the uh, the COVID-19. And if you were experiencing those symptoms then, and as I mentioned, you, you have a busy lifestyle, you need to deal with this on dealing, going to work with the lack of energy or the fatigue uh, or even the brain fog, the difficulty in concentrating. That could be at meetings, it could be at home, it could be when you're uh, getting up in the morning, rushing everybody out to school and college and, and, and work. And how do you actually push yourself together to deal with all these circumstances while you are feeling that way? And I think, the, the, you know, with great difficulty. Um, now, I don't think there's anyone better to, um, to uh, explain um, uh, how to deal with this than someone who has been and is going through it and, is, um, and uh, has had and still has some uh, long COVID. Um, I, I was corresponding with a colleague of mine in USA and uh, she was telling me that she has had uh, long COVID and that some of the symptoms are still with her a long time after her uh, positive uh, test for uh, COVID-19. And um, she came up with a plan. Uh, now, she'd been to several doctors and... Um, I mean, as we all know, no one had a definitive answer. Like, if we had a definitive answer, um, you know, the issue would be solved. Um, But after a lot of consultations and a lot of research and a lot of personal experience, she came up with, uh, she calls it her five Ps, uh, the letter P, five of them. And that was like, pace yourself, plan ahead, prioritize prioritize your tasks, posture is important, and patience with self and body. So five Ps, uh, pacing oneself, planning ahead, um, uh, prioritizing tasks, um, good posture, um, and patience. Uh, with self and body. Um, she was telling me like that she needed to pace herself uh, uh, to gradually do a little more. Um, uh, that she would rest often before becoming exhausted, but never gave up. Always tried to stretch it a tiny little bit more. Uh, the image I have in my head like is that if you were walking around the house three times on Monday, that by Thursday you might try to walk around the house four times or maybe climbing the stairs um, that if you could do it as an exercise I mean, rather than just simply going upstairs um, you know if you could do it once on Tuesday to maybe try twice uh, on Friday that, that kind of thing, just, um, uh, you know, pacing yourself, doing a little bit more, but um, to rest when the body is telling you it needs to rest. 
Yeah, because um, you may be in a situation whereby you know you have to do something that day, uh, but you need to maybe in the morning plan ahead and how yeah. you will get that done. And if you need rest period afterwards, or will I go to bed earlier the night before to see if I get more sleep for the day ahead? That's that sort of thing, I presume. Absolutely, and and not to be not to have the day like kind of haphazard. Yeah. Um, of um, you know, um, well, what do I do? Um, do I feel like instead of that kind of thing to. Um, uh, no, not rigidly every hour of the day, but to plan your time, she found very helpful as much as possible and to stick to the plan. For example, it might be a uh, short walk, 2.30 p.m. Um, and uh, and then to stick to that, uh, that even if the person doesn't feel like having the short walk at 2.30 uh, it's in the plan, so give it a go. And um, and if it only turns out to be half of the intent distance, okay. And if it turns out to be one and a half times the uh, the the plan distance, better still. Um, and to to understand that um, you know some days will be easier than others, uh, but not to give up. Um, you know, a person can be um, good on um, Monday and Tuesday and would seem to take um, a downward step again on the Wednesday. Um, and that has to be very um, disheartening, but not to not to throw in the towel. Um, you know, don't give up. Yeah, true. And, and I suppose you mentioned there about planning your day uh, yeah. and you touched on the prioritising of tasks. I mean, that's a big thing as well. If you are, are aiming to do a certain thing, we'll stick with the walking example. If you're going to do a walk on a certain day, then that is your priority for that day. And anything else that you may have to do, if you can't do it, well, then leave it to another day. Absolutely. Um, to prioritise the, the tasks. And um, I mean... Um, one of the priorities on the day might be phone that particular friend and uh, maybe share, uh, you know, how you feel on on that day. But to have a little list and to um, uh, to have priorities in the list, like it might be number one, walk, number two, uh, make phone call to A, B or C, um, uh, three, uh, might might be um, uh, meal time uh, 5.30 p.m. Um, you know, uh, I mean, it, it doesn't sound like um, a major, major big list of tasks, but these would be the ones that would be given priority on that day. Um, uh, and uh, maybe keep a log uh, as well. Um, it has to be very heartening, I would imagine, that if the log of, um, you know, when you would look through, we'll say, uh, March of 2022, and uh, the facts would be there, um, you know, the different dates and what I did. And then, if you are quite aware that since the month, since it became April, of 2022, that um, you know the uh, the 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 walks or the tasks uh, became a little bit more, uh, a little bit longer. The walks and um, maybe 
uh, instead of three tasks in the day, it might now be five. They wouldn't be major, but they would be there. And um, and that would have to be quite, um, uh, you know, heartening uh, to, to see, well, I'm doing better in April than I did in March. And you can see a difference and that will bring positivity as well. So it might spur that person on more. Uh, posture, Joe, you mentioned, this is an interesting one. Yeah, I, I was a bit surprised at that too. Um, uh, the, 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 my colleague told me her fourth P was um, posture. Um, yeah, that was advised um, not to be kind of like thrown down on an armchair or we'll call it slouching in an armchair. That um, to kind of sit up and to have good posture was important. Now, the more I thought about it, like after being a bit surprised at the start, thinking, well, what has that to do with anything? Well, um, as we know, the COVID and the breathlessness has to do with our lungs. So good posture would encourage um, better breathing and, um, and, and that that would be helpful. Peculiarly enough, um, the person I was corresponding with um, also was a little bit into singing, or maybe not a big bit into singing, but a bit. And she found that, um, that singing um, uh, helped her breathing quite a lot. Um, that it seemed to, um, I suppose, exercise the lungs a little bit. Um, <laughs> I suppose if a person <laughs> couldn't sing, they could always shout. Yeah, but, um, that's true. <laughs> that, you know, exercising the lungs, yeah. It makes sense in a way. You wouldn't think of it. It doesn't stand out, but it does make sense uh, when you yeah. describe it there because it is the way you sit and the way you you walk would improve your lungs as well. So it, it is yeah. one that makes sense. But it, you wouldn't think of it initially, though, if you were telling me what the five Ps were. It's not one that would yeah. stand out, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, you see, the validity that I attach to this would be this is a person who had and has the remnants still of long COVID and uh, and this is how she dealt with it and this is how she improved and um, uh, so I would give that great respect then because um, this isn't the theory uh, it isn't something kind of like uh, uh, that somebody found in a book um, it's a person who absolutely had long COVID found that there are certain things that were very helpful in getting over it and and that to me like would be uh you know uh, uh, uh absolutely credible true as yeah. uh, as as a way to deal uh with long covid and then while it can be frustrating uh, she said patience is another uh, P to really look at because we're all in a rush to get back to normal Joe I suppose but we need to have patience yes. with something like this we do we do and um, uh, I, I, a lot of people who aren't even associated well they're associating fatigue with the lockdowns and with the um with the general um, down feeling of the last couple of years. Um, uh, and it's hard to have patience with it. Um, you know, uh, so, um, and I suppose we need to, um, we need to, whatever the word is, encourage ourselves to be patient and kind of say, 
take it easy now. You you did well yesterday. You're you're going to do a tiny little bit more today, and that will that will do. Um, you know that we're not going from the, uh, the, the that phrase we heard a lot about couch to five k. Mm. We won't be doing the couch to five k maybe this week, but we might do the couch to maybe half a k. Or or you know. Yeah, and, so you um, really need to easy do it and not push yourself too much. I know it's hard not to, uh, but you must realise what your body has gone through and is going through, so it's kind of easy does it uh, for the next while. And one thing, and by the way, a lot of people texting in regarding the five Ps, uh, including D, who says, I absolutely love uh, this approach. I think it's always solid, a simple approach that Joe gives, but this is fantastic. So a lot of people are liking the five Ps, Joe, this afternoon, and thank you for your course. text. That's from D. And one final thing, and this is where people can, I suppose, need to jump down information whereby again if they're going to a supermarket if they're in work whatever the situation is because brain fog is a big part yeah. of it yeah yeah finding it very hard to concentrate um, uh, discovering at the end of the day that oh my god I forgot that and uh, oh gee I forgot that too so like um, uh, may, yeah the few notes I suppose it kind of comes under the heading of the plan of the of the the second of the five P's there plan ahead that um uh, that we wouldn't forget um yeah I I was to see a consultant recently about an issue and um uh, I I didn't do that and and I was I I was a bit annoyed with myself afterwards because I came away and I remember then I meant to ask about that. But I didn't ask. Yeah. And again, it kind of, um, uh, you know, it, um, it highlighted the importance of just making, jotting down a few words. It doesn't have to be an essay. Yeah, a couple yeah. of words just to remember that you intended to do that, you know. Totally. Well, Joe, uh, a lot of people did find this very helpful this afternoon. So we thank you for that. And mm. uh, we'll uh, chat to you again uh, next uh, Tuesday on the show and have a good week. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care. That is uh, our regular show counsellor, Joe Heffernan, who's an accredited counsellor. He's based in Boherbui, and you can contact him on 086 on the issue of costly dinners on a night out or a day out. Uh, bar says, Hi, JP. I was in a suburb of Cork City over the weekend in a bar. We got a half portion. It cost nearly 14 euros. But remember, this is only a bar. So prices have increased and on accents and people having various accents. Uh, this texter says, I have a nephew, he's in America for the last 25 years and you would really think that he never left home. He still has his Irish accent. And mentioning long COVID, Mary texts in to say she had COVID in January 2019 and again in the last few weeks she's had bad backs, a brain freeze and sore leg joints so she knows what that person is going through and thanks to Joe uh, for the four Ps. Thank you Mary for your text. That's it. Tomorrow on the show we'll be hearing from the teaching conferences which are going on and their issues uh, at those conferences going on right across the week. Nick Richards is next, playing more of Cork's greatest hits. Martino from Four. Enjoy your Tuesday afternoon. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced I'm John Paul McNamara. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, 
turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 